0: My name is Marian, and our scripture reading for today is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, reading from the ESV. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God... As you see the day drawing near, this is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Marion. Wow, that lovely, angelic voice of Marion. We're all so jealous of your accent, Marion. And now you all have to listen to my Boston accent for like the next 30 minutes. Well, those of you who know me are saying, oh my goodness, look at Elizabeth, she's up there with her computer, where's her, where's her notebook? Well, I'm going to tell you something, this is very uncomfortable for me, and do you want to know why? Okay. It's because I don't trust this thing, and that just proved it, didn't it? I don't trust this thing because I'm always afraid I'm going to lose my notes my work. And I'll say to my husband, David, I'll say, I'm just afraid I'm going to lose my work. And he'll say, did you save it? And I'm like, yes, I saved it. And he's like, well, then you're not going to lose it. And I'm like, but I'm I'm just afraid it's going to go poof into the atmosphere. And he's like, it is. It's going to go to the cloud. And I'm like, yeah, that, I don't like that at all. Well, that's a little exaggeration, but this is a little uncomfortable for me, so bear with me. Well, how are we all enjoying this sermon series on the letter to the Hebrews? Good. I'm glad you're enjoying it because it's a very difficult book. It doesn't get a lot of attention because it's a very difficult book. However, The next time you pick this book up to read it, this letter to the Hebrews, you're going to say, oh, I know what this is about because I learned at PAG what this book is all about. It's a letter written to Jewish Christians who are being persecuted for their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. And because of this persecution, some of them were walking away from Jesus. It's It's a book steeped in Old Testament... Old Testament theology reminding its reader that Jesus is greater than Moses. He is greater than the angels. He is greater than the high priest because he is the high priest. He is the new covenant promise. He is the offering. And he is the final sacrifice for our sins. Hallelujah. Today, we are going to be looking at the second half of chapter 10, where we first learn about this persecution. So would you please bow your heads with me as we pray and ask the Lord to come in and be a part of our message. Eternal Father, Jesus, our Redeemer, Holy Spirit, our guide, your word is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We give you permission today to speak to our hearts. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Well, as I have studied these passages in the last few weeks, I can't help but think that this book is written backwards. Because we're almost at the end of the book, we're in chapter 10, the end of chapter 10, and this is where we find out about the persecution. So let's read verses 32 through 35. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. So not only were these Jewish Christians being persecuted by the Greco-Roman authorities, but they were also being persecuted by Jews who did not accept Jesus as the Messiah. These Jewish Christians paid a high price for believing in Jesus. They were rejected by their family and friends. They lost their jobs. Their source of livelihood was harmed. That's a lot of pressure. And because of these challenges, the spiritual fervor of some of them had grown cold. And some began to abandon Christ. And the author of this book would say, don't do that. Now, perhaps you're here today, and you're just not sure you want to be here. Well, I wanna say, I am really glad that you're here. Or perhaps you're here today and you're just curious about who this Jesus is, what Christianity is all about. Well, you could not find yourself in a better place. Or perhaps you've been a Christian for a long time and maybe things have grown a bit dry for you or you're just going through the Christian motions. Well, you too have found yourself In a great place because this message is for all of us. Now, scholars have studied, who have studied Hebrews, have broken this mess, this book up, this letter up into four sections. And today we move into the final section, the fourth section, with two more weeks after today's message. In this section is an exhortation. A challenge for the hearers to respond to everything the author has shared up to this point, to respond in faithfulness to Jesus as their Messiah and to not walk away. In John 14, 6, Jesus states this about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Our scripture today that Marion read so beautifully begins with the word, therefore, and every time we see the word, therefore, in the scriptures, we need to ask ourselves, what is the therefore, therefore? From chapter one through the middle of 10, the author has presented a theological picture of Jesus. And now, therefore, he is going to illustrate and clarify what the believer must do and what their and our responsibility is as believers in Jesus today. Now, it is important to know also that in this section that Marian read, there are three times we see the word words, let us. Now, when someone says something three times in the scriptures, we need to pay attention. So, therefore, let us, Read these verses again, starting in 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, before we pull apart the Let Us Commands, the author of Hebrews reminds the reader that we have confidence to enter the holy place. By the blood of Jesus, we have confidence to enter the holy place. We have learned in this series that Jesus is the final sacrifice. He is the spotless lamb of God. These Jewish Christians, they know their Old Testament. They know the story of Exodus where God implemented the sacrificial lamb the night before the Israelites were to leave Egypt and enter into the promised lamb. They were to find the spotless lamb. They were to slaughter it and put the blood on their doorposts to protect them. Then they were to cook the lamb and completely consume the lamb. Not pick and choose what they wanted to eat, but completely consume the lamb. Now, in a few weeks, we will be uh, celebrating Thanksgiving, and most of us will be enjoying a turkey dinner. And we'll be at the table, and the host will bring the platter of turkey to us, and some of us will pick the white meat, Some of us will pick the dark meat. Some will pick the drumstick. Is that what it's called? The drumstick? Some will pick the wing. My father-in-law, he always wanted the neck. I never understood that. Yeah. Not so for the Israelites. They were to consume it all. It's the same for the early readers of this letter. And it is the same for us today. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. We are to consume all of him, not pick and choose what parts of Jesus we like and what parts of Jesus we might not like so much. The author has just spent nine and a half chapters reminding the reader of the old system. And now he comes to a place of therefore, Because of the blood of Jesus, the great sacrificial lamb, you have the confidence to enter the holy place. He says, this is the new way. This is the living way. The old way was obsolete. It was good for a time. But now, there's a new way. There's a living way. In the Gospel of John, we read this. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. These are John the Baptist's words. He was baptizing new believers in the Jordan River, and here comes Jesus over the hill. And he sees Jesus coming, and he points, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then Jesus got baptized himself. Later on, when Jesus took on the sins of the world, of the world and gave up his flesh on the cross, the curtain of the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom, given access to all who believe to enter into the Holy of Holies. See, in the old system, and we learned this last week, but we're going to review, there was the holy place, and then there was the Holy of Holies, and there was a curtain that separated it. And only the high priest could go in to the Holy of Holies, and only once a year to make atonement for sin. Now the author is reminding the reader that we have confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies because Jesus, our high priest, paid for our sins. Praise God for that. Now we can move into the three let us commands. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He basically repeats something he says in chapter 4, chapter 4:16. 4, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have permission to enter the throne room of God with confidence and full assurance of faith. This is yours and my spiritual birthright. We need to go for it. Now the author mentions our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. This is reminiscent of Levitical law concerning the cleansing and the purification. The priest would sprinkle the people with the blood of the sacrificial animal. But now we have Jesus and his blood that does that for us. He is our purification. Also the author of Hebrews mentions, and our bodies washed with pure water. Again, an Old Testament view from Ezekiel that states, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. But this is also reminiscing about um, these Jewish Christians, their baptism. See, when they became a Christian, they were baptized immediately. This is what John the Baptist was doing. And this author is reminding them, you were baptized, you got up, you made a public declaration You said, I will follow Jesus for the rest of my life, and now you're walking away? Don't do that. In a few weeks, we will be having our own baptism right here on November 20th. And if you are a new believer in Jesus, or you've been following him for a while and you haven't been baptized, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to make your declaration, to say, yes, Jesus. I will follow you all the days of my life." Now, the first time he says, let us draw near. The second time he says, let us hold fast. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Again, the author is saying, hold fast to that confession that you made at baptism, without wavering, because God is so, so faithful. And next week, when Pastor Brian preaches, he's going to be preaching on Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter in the whole Bible. And we're going to see how faithful God has always been, how faithful he is today, and how faithful he will always be. And again, for the third time, the author says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Wow, if this could not be more true for us today. See, God was very aware that the 21st century church would go through a global pandemic. He knew that the doors would be closed and that technologies would be put in place so that the gospel message could go forward. But as we begin to come out from under our COVID experience, the staff here and the leadership team encourage you, boldly encourage you not to neglect to meet together. We are not in a pandemic anymore. Yes, there is a mutation. There are always mutations to viruses. I don't always understand it, but that's what my biologist neighbor tells me. We need to encourage each other. We need to be encouraged by each other. I need to be encouraged by you. You need to be encouraged by me. And we need to be here to do that together. Now, a few weeks ago, David and I were sick. We had a virus. It wasn't COVID, but it was a really yucky virus. And some of you had that same virus. And that Sunday morning, we were feeling really awful. So we stayed home, and we had the opportunity to watch online, and we were grateful for that. But there is no replacing being here with you. And so the author warns his readers that if we fail, to engage in fellowship, in true worship. If we do not continue to persevere, we will ultimately fall away and possibly be lost. And this was taking place back then, and it still is today. It should not be of the born-again Christian to say, I just don't feel like going to church. It should not be of the born-again Christian to say on Saturday night, I think I'll sleep in tomorrow. It should not be of the born-again Christian to say, I'll go to church when things aren't going well and I need a pick-me-up. We should not make plans on Sunday morning to have brunch with friends or go to the beach because the weather is early. Listen. I am all for vacations and weekends away. David and I have family all over the place, and we have friends all over the place, and we love to get away to see them. But when we are home and feeling healthy, we need to be in church. The author is writing to Jewish Christians who are being persecuted And he expects them to continue to meet. We don't have that problem. So we really don't have any excuse not to meet. We need to be together. We need to encourage one another in love and good works, the author says. Now you might be saying, Elizabeth, I'm here. Do you see me? Yes, I see you. Praise God that you are here. Now I'm going to Boldly say this, if church has become a social club for you, that is not good. We should be excited on Sunday morning to meet the living God, to experience his presence. This is one of the places that we get to experience the presence of God, and we get to share that with each other people who understand us. And I'm going to go one step further and say, we should be experiencing God regularly in simple ways. That is part part of the way that God works in our life. A few weeks ago, I had an experience with God, and I want to share that with you. One, month, uh, one day a month, or once a month, I'll say, I make a trip up to Massachusetts for two reasons. One, I take a spiritual formation class just outside of Boston. And two, I get to visit with my daughter Aislinn, my son-in-law Ryan, and my grandson Callum. And I love both of these. What I don't love is the ride up four and a half, five hours, and maybe longer if there's traffic, and I really don't like that ride. Well, two weeks ago, I left church here, and I went home and got in my car, and I made a decision. I'm not going to listen to any music, not even worship music, and I'm not going to listen to any podcasts. I'm just going to talk with the Lord, and I'm going to wait and listen to see what he wants to say to me. Well, it was the most glorious experience. I had so much peace driving that car. The foliage, the foliage from New Jersey to Massachusetts was the best I have ever seen. And I'm from New England where foliage is pretty incredible. I have never seen foliage like this. It was fantastic. And it rained for a few hours, but then it cleared up, and in front of me, there was a rainbow, and I followed it for two hours. It was glorious, and I just felt the presence of the Lord in that car with me, and the delight that he had. We won't always have these big woo-hoo experiences with the Lord, although we should occasionally, but regularly. We should be experiencing the presence of God because we have access to that. That is true worship when we experience his presence. Jesus taught his disciples and his followers to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And nowhere in scripture after that does it tell us to stop praying that prayer. We should pray that prayer every day. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have access to pull heaven down to earth. Hallelujah. Yes. And then, and then when we do experience God, You just can't wait to tell someone about it. Someone who will understand, like you. I couldn't wait to tell you about my experience with God in the car. David and I often have guests at our house. And one of our favorite guests are two young ladies from Rhode Island, Jenny and Lauren. We love it when Jenny and Lauren come. And some of you have met them. We've brought them to church. I get so giddy when they're about ready to come. I get so excited because Jenny and Lauren, they pull in the driveway, they get out of the car, they come into the house, and it's electric. Like the Holy Spirit just came down. Lauren takes out her guitar, and she starts strumming and singing, and we all worship together. Jenny is a writer, and she starts sharing her writing with us. She reads her material. We take walks in our beautiful neighborhood. We sit on the porch. We sit by the fire. We drink coffee. We share what's going on in our lives with each other. We share the scripture that the Lord is speaking to us through. We share books that we're reading. It is amazing. And my heart is so full when they leave, knowing the Lord's work was done because we stir up one another to love and good works. It's that simple. It's that enjoyable. That's what the church is. That should be the life of a Christian more often. We should be giddy and excited to come together to see one another and share our God stories. The author exhorts and encourages his readers to not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. One thing you can be sure, every day we draw closer to Jesus' second coming. Jesus will return, dear brothers and sisters. And as we learned last week, Jesus' second return will not be to deal with sin. No. But to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Are you eagerly waiting for him? Now, if we are not experiencing God, and we should want to, What can we do about that? Well, first, I suggest you spend some time in silence and solitude. And you might be saying, Elizabeth, I don't have time for that. Well, I remember what it was like to work full-time and go to school at night. I remember what it was like to be newly married and buying a house having babies, having toddlers. I remember the schedule of my teenagers. I was always in the minivan. But if we set our alarm 10 minutes before we normally get up and just spend 10 minutes in silence and solitude, you might like it so much that you might start setting your alarm 20 minutes before you're supposed to get up. And I can't stress enough to make sure that you are in church on Sunday when you're home Come this Friday night to the worship and prayer night. Come expecting God to do a good thing. Not expecting what you're expecting, but expecting God to do a good thing. Go to a Holy Spirit conference. Go to a spiritual formation retreat. Will it cost you some money? Yes, it will. But how much money do we spend on coffee? Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, our cafe of choice in a year's time. How much money do we spend on streaming things through our TV? Cable, Comcast, Hulu, Netflix, etc., 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 etc. There's so many. How much do we spend in a year's time on these things? How much do we spend on beauty products and gym membership? All these things do nothing for our soul. And you know what? I'm not going to tell you to stop doing them. I like these things. It's nothing like a good cup of coffee. I'm never going to tell you how much I spend on my shampoo. And I am definitely not canceling Netflix, because The Crown is coming on this week. These things are fun. But they do nothing for our soul. It's time we invest in our soul. Amen? Read books on the Holy Spirit, on spiritual formation. Read books on prayer. Read church history. The disciples and followers of Jesus, they experienced God left and right, even after Jesus left. We did a series on Acts six months ago. Reread Acts. Paul experienced God in amazing ways, and he alludes to this one crazy experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Read that. The early church fathers experienced God. People today still experience God. Don't let this fast-paced, highly technological world Steal your God experiences. God is more real than anything you are looking at right now. He says, ask me and I will give it to you. You want a God experience? Ask him and he will give it to you. The Apostle Paul prayed that we would experience God in his letter to the Ephesians. He writes this prayer for us. I'm asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is our prayer. This is our inheritance. Go for it. Now, we're going to take a little shift. Because throughout this letter, the author makes some very bold statements and strong warnings They've been confusing to believers throughout history, and we are about to read one. Are you ready? Starting in verse 26 of chapter 10. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. What was this deliberate sin? I mean, don't we all sin deliberately? I do. The sin in this context is unrepented sin through apostasy, the renouncing of one's faith in Jesus. We know this to be true Because the author writes in verse 29, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. And in verse 31, he says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This one verse reminds me of a very famous sermon, the most famous sermon ever given in the history of America, given by a great theologian, Jonathan Edwards. In July of 1741, he gave his sermon to a Connecticut congregation, and it was entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Perhaps you've heard of it people began to cry out, what shall I do to be saved? Now, I'm not sure what Edwards said in his sermon. I have not read it. Maybe someday I will. But it is obvious that it got the attention of the members of that congregation. But it also reminds me of another great theologian and preacher, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was a German pastor during Hitler's reign in Nazi occupation. Bonhoeffer fought against the Nazi oppression, and he wanted the other German pastors and the other German Christians to come alongside with him, but they didn't. He lost his life two days before the war ended, but Bonhoeffer is the one who coined the phrase, Cheap Grace. Bonhoeffer defined cheap grace as this. Grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, and communion without confession. He said, we want the benefit without the cost. And I can't help but think, that maybe that's what was going on in the 1700s in that Connecticut congregation when Edwards preached. Was it cheap grace? Now, let us be clear. Some of these words in this letter, the letter to the Hebrews, is hard to hear. But these hard words I just read are delivered to the apostate, the one who renounces their belief in Jesus Christ, the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant, and the author is saying, don't do that. Hebrews 6, the author states, verse 4, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. The author is writing to those who have been enlightened by the Holy Spirit who said yes to Jesus and declared that at baptism. And now they are trampling underfoot the Son of God and have profaned the blood of the covenant. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you are here today. And maybe I'm preaching to the choir. But these are strong warnings for us take hold of and we cannot pick and choose what we like and what we don't like if you are listening today and you have been thinking I don't really need this Christianity I don't really need Jesus the author of Hebrews would say to you don't do that If you are listening today and you've gotten a little lazy in your walk with Jesus, and let me just say this. Rest is not lazy. Silence and solitude is not lazy. Being, just being in His presence is not lazy. Breathing in the goodness the kindness and the beauty of Jesus is not lazy. We know what lazy is. And the author of Hebrews would say, don't do that. The author wraps up this section with this and notice there is another therefore. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back, and are destroyed but of those who have faith and persevere their soul it's important to note that this middle section yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay but my righteous one shall live by faith and if he shrinks back my soul has no pleasure in him This is an Old Testament quote from the book of Habakkuk. And it is quoted in three places in the New Testament, here in Hebrews, and in Romans, and in Galatians. And as stated earlier, anything that is repeated three times in the scriptures, we must pay attention. Yet, a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The author of Hebrews is boldly telling us, Do not throw away your confidence, for you have a great reward. Endure and receive all his promises. Don't shrink back. Move forward into all that the Lord wants to give you and show you persevere your soul. When Pastor Brian taught a few weeks ago back on chapter 7, he reminded us that things might be okay and we may be satisfied. But there is always more, dear brothers and sisters. God is always doing more. And He is always inviting us into the more. More peace, more fellowship, more wisdom, more healing, more abundance, more of His presence. Today, we can move forward into the more the Lord wants to do. We have access into the Holy of Holies. Jesus gave up His flesh became the Lamb of God, and gave us that opportunity. Do you really want to play it safe? It's comfortable to play it safe. I really wanted my notebook this morning. (laughs) Quoting my pastor from 20 years ago, Pastor Rick, he said this one Sunday morning, Jesus is really not interested in your comfort. Wow, that bothered me. I was not happy that morning because I thought, and I remember thinking this, I like my comfort. But I didn't know then that I would walk through seasons of uncomfortability and I may continue to walk through seasons of uncomfortability but i will tell you this dear brothers and sisters and some of you know some of you have experienced this as well that it is in the discomfort that i grew closer to jesus and i want more of jesus i want to consume all of the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world I want that do you want that hmm well every week we offer you an opportunity to come forward into the altar space and as we have been learning as we've walked through this book of Hebrews we've been learning about The tabernacle and the temple and the holy place and the holy of holies and the curtain that separated the two. When Jesus gave up his flesh on that cross, God ripped the curtain open wide, it says, so that all who believe in Jesus can enter in, enter in to the holy of holies. Now, when the high priest would go into the holy of holies, and go through the curtain, what was the first thing that he saw? The altar. And this is our altar space. So, this is our holy of holies. And now the ultimate high priest, Jesus Christ, he is in the holy of holies, and he reaches out his hand and he says, come on in. It's glorious in here. Come on in and experience me because I'm glorious. Would the worship team please come up? We're going to spend some time in worship like we do every week. And we invite you to come to the altar, come into the Holy of Holies and experience Jesus Christ, the glorious Jesus Christ. Who doesn't want that? It doesn't matter if today was your day that you said, oh, that Jesus, he sounds good, I want that. Or if you have been walking with Jesus for 50 years, come, come, to the altar and worship the Lord. I am gonna join those who want to join me and then I will come up after a while and read a benediction.